Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Hey, welcome to Insights, everyone. Today, Amy Wright connects with One the Duo, an emerging mother-daughter duo formed by Takitha and Prana Supreme, and their story is rooted in hip-hop royalty. Takitha is the female lead on the Wu-Tang Clan albums, and Prana is the daughter of RZA, the founder and de facto leader of Wu-Tang Clan. Together, they are pioneers, becoming some of the first artists to journey from hip-hop to country. They talk today about their move to Nashville, their own stripped-down style of country and Americana, and the upcoming projects they have planned. So please kick back and enjoy this informative conversation between One the Duo and Amy Wright, right here on Insights. Well, Takitha and Prana Supreme, thanks for joining us today on Diddy TV. Talk about One and uh, the great relationship you guys have as mother and daughter and working together and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, I kind of thought that I would start by asking you some individual questions and then we'll get to the, uh, the band itself or the duo itself and what you guys have been doing. Love that. Um, so I'm going to start with you, Prana. Okay. Uh, and so where did you actually grow up? I know you're in Nashville now, but where did you grow up? Yeah, well, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, and then I spent quite a few years back in California where mom is from, so in Sacramento and in the Bay Area, so Oakland and San Francisco. And then we went back to Atlanta, we went to New York, we went to Boston, Cambridge specifically, then we went back to California and we lived in Long Beach, and then we ended up in Nashville. So like, and we did a very brief stint when I was um, a toddler in Italy. So I really, whenever people ask me, where'd you grow up? I'm like, you want the short answer or the long answer? <laughs> so true. But collectively, I spent the most time in California. It sounds like you're kind of a child of the world at this point, that very. you probably have all these experiences that are that are inside you at this point. And, yeah. um, and of course your dad was uh, one of the founding members of Wu-Tang Clan and um, your mom, Takitha, who's sitting next to you, sings in the band and now y'all are doing this project together. But what was it like to grow up sort of hip hop royalty? Mm, it's, it's very funny because actually like as a kid, I did not realize the impact that my parents had in the music industry on like a grand scale. I was just like, yeah, my parents do music, but y'all probably don't know. <laughs> and so it wasn't until I was in high school that I really realized the impact that they had had because I would be at school and I'd see people wearing like Wu Tang shirts and stuff like that. And of course, like these kids are my age, so like 14, 15, 16. And I'm like, how do you know my dad's band? And so from like that perspective, to me, I was just like, another normal kid, not much difference of life. But then I started to realize, I was like, oh yeah, I guess most kids weren't having like all night jam sessions at their house and like gallivanting around the world, going on tour with their parents and things of that nature. So for me, it wasn't until I was in high school that I realized what a difference my life was. And then also just like the impact that my dad and my mom had had in the music industry as being like pioneers, you know? 
You know, I once uh, heard an interview with Paul McCartney, and he said one of his kids said, Dad, were you in the Beatles? Oh, <laughs> <So, laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's he said that, that puts it in perspective. You know, kids kind of put you in your place that way a little bit. But was there, all, was there always music in your household then? What were you guys listening to? Oh, my gosh. All the music. Um, a lot of soul music, like 70s, uh, late 60s soul music. A lot of rock music from my mom. Like, because of her, Queens of the Stone Age is, like, one of my favorite bands. It's, like, first Earth, Wind, and Fire, then Queens of the Stone Age. Um, also, a lot of jazz growing up. A lot of alternative music, like a lot of Bjork, Fiona Apple, Cheryl Crow, Lannis Morissette. We were really, like, and, of course, hip-hop. Like, that goes without saying. But mm. we really touched every genre, like, if it sounded good, my parents were playing it. And I think from a producer standpoint, because my dad like listens to music differently, there's no genre he wouldn't listen to. And therefore there was no genre I or my siblings weren't exposed to. And then same with my mom on the songwriting aspect. So many different genres have so much to lend from the songwriting point of view. So mom was listening to everything. Um, when I was listening to your music, uh, I, that's kind of what I, I took away, which is, um, you, you guys have a really original sound, which I love, but it's a real uh, melting pot of lots of different styles of music. And mm -hmm. um, and you don't really get that unless you've listened to a lot of music, I think. Sure. So, and, um, so you've got an upfront and close look at the show business world. Mm -hmm. and, um, and you still want to be in it, so that's a good thing. <laughs> um, but uh, sort, of, sort of what drew you to it at this point? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's actually very funny. When I was like maybe what four or five years old, yes. I, we were watching. We, when I was a kid, we didn't watch a whole bunch of TV growing up. So like, if we were at someone else's house, that's mainly when I would get to watch TV. And so when we were at we were at Yaya's, right? Mm -hmm. So we were at my grandma's mom's mom house, and I can't remember what we were watching, but I was staring at the TV, and I was just like, how do I how do I get in there? And my mom was like. Hmm, what do you mean? Oh no, we were at the loft in San Francisco. Oh, we were at the loft in San Francisco. Yes. Okay, so yes. I was like, how do I, how do I get in there? I was like, what? I was like, how do I get in there? So yeah. she had to explain to me like what acting was and music <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But like early, early interest. I think I just always loved being a creative kid. And so mom has like tons of like old little tapes of me putting on plays when I was like maybe six, seven years old, like one, one woman, one woman multi-act plays. Yes. Um, I had a guitar that I didn't really learn how to play. I was just like, I don't know, this sounds good. And so I'm going to force everyone to sit down and listen to this song <laughs> I made up. Um, when I was seven, mom would always take me to the studio with her. But specifically one time when I was seven, I recorded like three three songs mm -hmm. and they were all about like how much I love my family how much I love the sky and like believing in yourself and so for yeah. me I think because it was just so innately around me since I was two years old it just felt like a comfortable space but I also was just enamored with like pretending to be someone else or writing a song or doing something musical and the business side as I got older like into my teen years was also fascinating to me and also a little scary because you just heard and saw so many horror stories 
of people being taken advantage of because of their love for music and for acting and, and you know writing and for me even though I was like okay this business stuff kind of seems a little scary I was like I still love it I love it too much to not want to try to do it yeah that was going to be sort of my next question which is you know then and the, either one of you can answer this but when you see show business up close like that um you know, what pitfalls do you want to try to avoid when you go into it with your eyes wide open, so to speak? That's a good question. Yeah, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say my piece, but mom will have great insight on that. But for me, I think a big thing, because it's the most common story you hear, is like basically signing away all of your uh, creative intellect. Intellectual property. Yeah, your intellectual property. And so, you know, you have so many stories of artists you're like oh man i bet they're doing really well but they don't own their masters or they don't own their publishing or they don't heck sometimes they don't even have rights to their own merchandise and that's why they have to tour so much and so i feel like that is like the most important thing to not fall into because your art is your art like the labels the brands, et cetera, et cetera, can't do anything unless you're making the song. So to give all of that away to someone else is like, whoa, big, big no-no. And I think that's the main thing that artists of all ages should know because it's the most common thing that happens too. Because unfortunately, not every time is the label going to look out for the artist and be like, hey, we're only gonna take like half or 25%. They'll be like, oh, if you don't know that you don't have to give us all, then we'll take it all. And so I think that was a, a major, major one. And secondly, because you always hear this too, know how to manage your finances. Do not be completely dependent on someone else to be managing your finances or else, period. Or you're going to be out of luck. Unfortunately, people really take advantage of those that are uh, without knowledge. Well said. I mean, I think every artist could, could learn from those two points you made. And, and Takitha, did you have anything to add to that? Well, I mean, she really just took the words out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. So at least I know I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You've taught her well. <laughs> yeah, no, it was actually one of the things that was a uh, primary focus of, of mine when she created this project, because One the Duo mm -hmm. is not a project that I created or that I you know, I didn't drag her into like, hey, let's just do some cool stuff together. It, it, it was her idea. And this is um, a project of hers that I am trying to do my best to lay some groundwork for her to be able to, within this project, exercise her creative freedom, but also give her a safe space to learn the business and understand the business. She's been learning for a very long time. Like probably I would say early as 14 years old, I really started talking to her more about um, the business side of music um, just because she she had been so enamored since four years old. So I, I knew that we weren't gonna get around it, you know? And her father and I were very adamant about her not becoming a child actor. Prana is a, a thespian. Uh, Prana is, is uh, she's, she's an actor you know she really she really has some acting chops so it was kind of a toss-up if she would like kind of go into film or television or theater or go into the creative space or go into science or go into business or fashion like she really 
still today at 21, she can choose to do whatever she desires. Um, but once we saw that it was really going towards this, this um, creative expression via the stage and recording and, you know, things of that nature, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. At least lay a foundation for her. So she does not have to be living in the shadow of, of her father or living in the shadow of me as well. I mean, obviously, everybody knows who Riza is. But at the same time, I could I could see how she's her own person. So all I really wanted to do was set a stage for her to understand the business, like really, really, truly understand what intellectual property is and the value that it is, is just as valuable, if not more than real estate. You know what I mean? Um, she needed to understand that and, and she won't get the fullness of that for another good five years. Like she'll start to, now that she's releasing music of her own, she'll get to see the benefit of the intellectual property and having ownership therein. I also needed to make sure that we partner with a company that understood that. So that was going to take time for me to explain that to her, where it's not just just about recording the songs or hitting the stage. It was going to be about finding a team and building an infrastructure for your team that believed in the vision that you have, that they're experts in what they do, but you are an expert in what you do. So they might be able to balance a, a budget, but they can't write the song. They can't sing the song. They can't pull the musicians together to do the song. And A&R can do that. So you got to have you a great person to fill that position. But there's a lot of aspects to this that if you're not knowledgeable, you might fall into a trap of someone telling you that you're not as valuable because they might have the money that you don't have. They might have the connections that you don't have. But at the end of the day, they cannot write the song. They can't perform the song. And they can't pull together musicians to buy into this thing that you're doing that is coming from, I don't know, the universe, the most high God, however you want to explain where it's coming from, especially if you haven't went to school for it, then this is, this is, what, I, this is what I had to take on. So it's much more than just getting in the studio, singing a song and you know, having amazing co-writes, which we do. It, 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 it is multifaceted for me and, and my approach. And, but she, I don't know, I, I just, and this is not to, you know, just to praise her as if she's not sitting here. But the reality is a lot of people could not do what she's doing, you know, and a lot of people could not do what I'm doing. And in this relationship that we have as mother daughter, making this music together and enjoying the process so much and then creating this team and, and having the great fortune and the privilege, to be honest with you, having the privilege to be in environments to create an infrastructure that can support this vision that we have. It's extremely important. It's to me that's more important than any song we could ever sing. You know, is having that because once you know how to do it once, you can do it a hundred more times and in a hundred other mediums. That's what I have to say about that. You know, that's that's so important what you're saying there, though, because there's so many artists that are out there that are creative people, but they don't have the infrastructure, the team around them, to really uh, take that vision and make something of it for themselves. And they end up getting lost in the whole mix. And, or to your point, taken advantage of in whatever capacity that may be. But going in, understanding all of that and how the business side works in addition to the creative side, um, you know, that's the recipe for success in, in the music business because you, you have to understand both sides to be successful. And so when you guys, when you guys, uh, started this project or when Prana, when you went to Keitha and you were talking about it, mm -hmm. um, did you think it was important to pick a different genre than hip hop? 
or, or is that just organic? You already had that in your head. Yeah, that was, that was very much organic, especially on mom's part. My part of the vision was just wanting to do music with her and wanting to write songs with her. Um, but mom's vision was, was the music aspect of just being like, let's do something um, organic. organic. Yeah, let's, let's do something organic because, of course, hip hop can be very produced in terms of like it's 808s and beats and loops and samples and stuff like that. Um, and so we really wanted to work with a lot of live instruments and instruments that mom just hadn't really incorporated into her own music yet. And I think mom, not I think, mom is a very exploratory, exploratative, exploratory, exploratory kind of artist which is something that's been like a major inspiration for me because she will like try any genre under the sun. And one of my favorite projects of hers, it's not released yet, but she did this like world music Afro, 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 project um, with this artist slash producer named uh, Ahmed Sultan. He's, phenomenal and very well known yeah moroccan artist very well known um internationally and they had made this absolutely beautiful project together and just once again like instruments that you just don't really hear in american mainstream music very often and then arrangements that you also just don't hear very often and it's stuff like that where it's not surprising to me that we would end up in a genre that we were unfamiliar with because that our whole life is like diving into the deep end and just being like, let's see where it goes. It's the same thing with why I feel like we've lived so many places is we're nomadic people. And so our nomadicness also uh, taps into the musical side of us. So we're like, I got to try everything. I just want to try. And I think that's real uh, artistic. That is a real artistic kind of mindset too, just to be like, I just want to do it. Well, and it was important as well, you know, um, that, because of my history with Wu-Tang and because Prana's the daughter of, right? I, I knew that in order for us to get a fair shake, we were going to have to completely remove hip hop, soul and R&B from our conversation. We, if, if I were to have reached out to even her dad or the producers I know in New York or in LA or overseas, they tend to like, just by their nature, I don't even know what it is, but they, they're just always gonna try and give me their best hip hop beat that they can ever think of, you know? And e even if I'm saying, hey, this isn't that, that's not what we're doing right now. They're gonna give <laughs> you know? And um, so I'd never even mentioned it to any of the producers that I know. And I, I, well, besides her father, I, I always keep him in the loop because it's, you know, he, he, it's. He's, he's one of my best friends, you know? So it's mm -hmm. like one of those things where I talk to him about all my creative life, my creative life, but then I also keep him abreast on anything that's going on with Prana, and that's on the daily. So um, I knew that it was going to have to be a project that was going to be organic and very stripped down. Um, I did not know it would be country. I did not, we did not seek out to make country or Americana music or folk music or whatever you want to label it as, that was not the intention. All I knew was we're not going to have loops. We're not going to have beats. We're, we're going to have um, something super stripped down and acoustic. And that's the way that the project started. It was purely pure, like kind of like purest Americana music, 
you know? Um, it evolved from that point, from when we started to now, but the, but the, the heart of it still remains that we, we are, we weren't really trying to blend in. We weren't trying to take over anything. It's like, this is the music that her and I made together, even when there was not an instrument involved. Anytime we open our mouths and sing acapella, it sounds like folk music or it sounds like Americana music. It's straight ahead. It sounds like country music. So there's something in that that tells me that we're doing something that is intrinsic to us. You know, we're not trying to do anything. We don't sing with a twang. You know what I'm saying? Like we talk how we talk, we sing how we sing, but you're very, you, you know that it's not R&B though. You know that that's not what's happening in the song. Even without an instrument being played, just the way that we sound together, that, that blood harmony, right? So um, to answer the question, it, 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 it was not intentional necessarily as far as the genre, but it was intentional and in that we were gonna turn, our, turn away from, all right, when we're definitely not making that kind of project, you know what I'm saying? Right, but, right. but it is for it everybody, be, right? Maybe not necessarily turn away, but sidestep because I like sidestep because that's, that's a new one for us. Okay, sidestep. I like yes. that. Well, because hip hop is is our culture, you know, it's a foundational mm -hmm. part yeah. of our culture. And even when we're in these songwriting sessions, we don't write in terms of cadence, uh, you know, in song structure, we don't write how most country writers sure. write. Sure. And I only know that because they've said that, which I was like, we're just, we're just writing, 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 you we're know, just writing. Yeah. Um, so good point. You know that that part is also innate in in us. So, and I think it, it blends together in a very natural and not contrived kind of way. You know, Diddy TV. We we always say what it's not because um, that's the music we play. It's all these different. It's soul. It can be blues. It can be rock. It can be country. It can be Americana. And we just call it all handcrafted music. Because a lot of it is that organic feel that you get from playing instruments and writing songs and, and hearing the beautiful vocals that come through. And you guys have all of that. So one, the duo, what does one stand for? Because I know that the words are important to you and I just wanted to hear it from you guys yourself. Yeah. One stands for observant, noetic, effervescent. You know, I, I had to look up noetic. I have to come clean here. <laughs> I said noetic. <laughs> I said, what is that? You learn a new word, yes. you know. I know. Yeah. I know. I just, I just did. I just learned a new word from you guys. And, and it, of course, it was about being intellectual. And I said, what does that say about me that I didn't know the word? That, that's a <laughs> no. No. It's, very, it's a very, um, it's one of those words where it's like, there's a whole bunch of other words that also have that definition. And yeah. So sneaky little one you're like oh okay yeah it's one of my favorite words it's a, it's was it's a cool always word. one of my favorite words so i'm glad that it found a way into our our life where we get to actually use it <laughs> without yeah, it was, it's very clever <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and so you alluded to something a couple minutes ago you said that the writing in say nashville and that country music world is very different than say the hip-hop world Tell me a little bit about that, because I find that interesting. Just the whole process of writing a song or producing a song is, is different. Yeah, I think one of the one of the main one of the main differences I feel like I've noticed is sometimes like how. Is is content matter? So like what the song is actually about? And it's funny because 
it's like it's different from hip hop, but it's actually not all that different. I always say that hip hop and country are like the two most American genres. Like they're really about the American experience just from two different aspects of it. And, but it's funny because it's like, sometimes we're in these rights and we're like taught, like thinking of things to write. And they're always going back to these like Southern experiences. And I'm like, I'm be honest, never done donuts in a truck before. <laughs> we can put it in the song, but I think I should experience that before I start singing about it, not, you know? That's funny. Um, but then also I think we have a very like, rap like cadence when we when we write and so sometimes i feel like if you take the music out same how mom's like when we just sing acapella it has a very folk nature to it when you take the music out i also think that the phrasing is just very synonymous with hip-hop and so that was that was another big thing like kind of like fitting a lot in a verse mm -hmm. if that makes sense mm -hmm. like putting a lot of words uh in a verse. I'm trying to think what other things were. Well, well, one of the things that that I observed right away because writing in in hip hop is, um, well, even R and B. Just just it, my my style of writing has always been in a silo. I I didn't I didn't sit in a group full of people. Even with Wu Tang, you come into the room and everybody's kind of in their corners. It's kind of like a battle off. You know what I mean? Like everybody's in their corner. And then you coming out, boom, here's my verse. Or, oh, here's the hook I came up with. And then I go blast my hook down. And they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, you nailed it. You know, there, <laughs> there's there's no, um, there's, yeah, very, very little to no co-writing. Even if you might adopt a line, if you're like stuck on a line, you might ask, like, man, you know, I'm kind of stuck or, you know, help me out. That, that we wouldn't consider that co-writing. You helped me with a line. Cause I wrote the body of this thing, you know what I'm saying? So I think what I valued about the experience I've had in co-writing in Nashville is that I needed to, in order to really get a full song, like start to finish and, and, and get the idea, um, the beginning, the middle, the end and shape the story appropriately. To me, it's like life you need to do that with multiple perspectives. Like that's the best way to get the best out of the experience is you get to see what did you think? How did, how did that happen in your life? How did this happen in her life? How did it happen in my life? And then you come together and you create this brew with this knowledge of the end of the story. You know, everybody's just listening to it as music. But for me, when you really break it down and, and stretch it out, it's like, hold on, I got so much more out of the experience and so much more understanding of whatever the topic is because I had three people at the table. I had four people and their, their um, experience that came into the song and, and the lyrics and their, all of their life experience that they bring to this topic now gets to be brought in a, in a melodic, a har harmonic, this beautiful cascade of things that are happening now that I could not have done on my own. There's just no way. And then now Prana and I, because she's my daughter and we we share a lot of experiences, our you know, our travels, this, that, and the other. And because, you know, um she's she's she she hasn't like been all around the world by herself yet. She hasn't had enough experience. Now maybe when she gets to be 30, it'll be different. But right now, we pretty much we see things kind of through the same lens. So we generally might end up at the same place. That's cool. 
But it's even better if you can have someone else who's like, well, wait a minute, did you think about this side of the story? Putting putting a lens on another side of the topic. And that has created a world of songwriting for me and of, of producing a song for me that I have never experienced before. And to be honest, this album represents so much more, um, they just opened up a world um, that I would not have known otherwise. I, and I could have went through the rest of my life as a creative, just doing what I've been doing, because I really do love to write. And I love waking up at three in the morning, like literally out of a, out of a coma and be like, oh, I gotta write this thing, you know, it's really great. I think that but, was definitely an adjustment period for for both of us and then also for mom though because like this is my first professional experience in music so everything i'm experiencing i don't really have much to compare it to mm. um and so growing up i did see that when my mom and dad would do music it would mainly writing why writing wise would mainly be by themselves um but that was the adjustment period for me was the fact that they would be writing songs so early. I love the idea of writing with other people. I think that it has helped me learn so much on like how to really structure like a very snappy chorus and like a, you know, a bridge. My dad always says that the bridge should either be like a resolution or you kind of stay in the same headspace. And so, but I've learned so much through co-writing, but I do not like, all respect to Nashville. I do not like that they start writing at 10 a.m. That is crazy. Oh, than that but then we that is 10 crazy. To help us out. No, it's wild. Like we don't. We 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 are on some serious rock star hip hop behavior over here. Like afternoon. <laughs> Who's getting up two, to write a song? Two o'clock's the earliest I want to do. A two o'clock is the earliest. And by the way, like just just being honest, like. This should not be a, a, it should not be set up in a corporate structure. I, I don't know, I, I, or maybe it should. Maybe that, maybe that's to each their own, right? See, and I definitely, I get the corporate structure aspect. I, I don't. Get, no, 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 I'm saying I get not liking the corporate structure. Oh, got it, okay. But I, the part that I do understand as, as a kid of artists is that if they have the nine to five, they can actually be home at decent hours and you can have a family dinner, you can have normal life activities. But when they're going off at six o'clock and then they're not coming back until morning, you gotta go to school. It's like, so I am like, I started to appreciate that aspect, especially when I would hang out with my friends during the weekday since living here in Nashville. I'm like, oh yeah, my stuff is like kind of wrapped up around six, and I've got, I've got my day to actually day. do things. Do mm. But so it's I, just guess it, I guess it, I guess it makes sense for a songwriter who's a songwriter, and that's what they mm -hmm. do for a living. We 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 write songs for ourselves, not to say that we would. I'd love to write a song that could be pitched for someone else, but the reality is, we are artist songwriters. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so. For me, I'm legit not going to sleep until 3, 4 a.m. every day. And it's not because I'm partying. It's just the nature of my clock. I don't want to get up and write a song at 9 a.m. Yeah, I, by the way, I'm right there with you on that one. I am not a morning person. Yeah. H hence the, the afternoon interview, I'm just saying. <laughs> we appreciate it and we love it. <laughs> it was the best news we had. <laughs> So let's talk about some of your music because you've released some songs and um, they're, they're awesome, by the way. And mm -hmm. I even, I really, really loved your, your cover of the Ain't No Sunshine, Bill Withers tune, because I wanted to talk about that. Because I always want to know when people pick up 
specific cover, you know, what they thought of that artist and the music. But let's start with Guilty. Uh, there's a great video for the song. It's out there. People can check it out. Give me the story behind Guilty. Mm, well, it's actually a funny story because uh, my dad, he's actually in the last season of this TV show. It's called Wu-Tang and American Saga. And it's about, it's uh, a little bit of a dramatized version of how Wu-Tang Clan came to be. And for their second season, dad really wanted to have a country song in one of the scenes. And so he had asked mom like months uh, prior to them needing the song, hey, could you guys like do a song I'll commission you for blah, blah, blah. And mom's like, yes, got it. Sounds like a great time. <laughs> You're hilarious. Um, and now, <laughs> yes. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like a good like time. And some months go by and we did forget. It did, and it was, and it was like half forgetting, half just getting really busy. We were right. Working. It wasn't so much forget that we, we were well, busy, dude. Yeah, but it was a little bit forget. Okay. Yeah. No, it was. It was. It was both. It was. It was balanced. It wasn't that we completely forgot. It was just like, oh, we got to do this, 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 and this, and it was like, oh, dang it, right, we got to do that too. And so by the time we got to the, all right, we're gonna do it. It was like, also, it needs to be in by the end of this week. And we we're like. Oh, okay. And so initially, so we first write this song called River of Sins, which is also out. And we turn it in. Dad's like, not really what I was looking for. I'm going to be honest. Great song, but not what I was looking for. He was like, listen, I'll give you one more shot at it, but you got like three days, honestly. Mm -hmm. And we were like, oh. Three days to write, record, mix, master. Wow. And we were like, oh, okay. And so... We go back into the studio literally the day after that he's like mm, not really liking the song for this. Um, we write the song <laughs> and then we're like, all right, this this is going to be it. This is the one. And so then the next day we record it and the day after that they mix and master it and we turn in and dad's like, yes, two thumbs up. Perfect. This is exactly what I wanted. And so then we're still working on our other songs, our other music and... He's like, all right, you know, everyone on the music team agreed. They love the song. They're going to put it in. It's coming out in September. So we were like, okay, I guess this is going to end up being our first single because it was just too, you know, yeah, the timing of it was too good to, to pass up. And so it was just very funny because dad had given us, like, words he wanted to hear, which is he wanted to hear, like, the word gun or, like, shot and... Like any any terms related to that, that's what he really wanted to hear. Because of the scene that this song was going to be in. Yes. Gotcha. For so, context. Yes. And so that's really how it came to be, which is we had three days to write and mm -hmm. finish a song fully. And we did it. We did it. Which is so funny that that would end up being our first single. But it was very yeah. fun. And we wrote it with uh, Brent Mayer and Joe Robinson. And... It was just, we've written a lot of songs with them, but that one is like, that one and another one, which isn't released yet, um, called One Minute to Midnight. Those oh, are our favorite favorites. Songs. Favorite yeah. songs on the some, record, some, for sure. some top tier ones, for sure. Now, there's something to be said sometimes for a little pressure, because it forces you to just get it done. And we can oh, overthink yeah. things all the time. You know, you might have taken months to get something out. Instead, it's Absolutely. like, hey, we just need to put this out there, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and it worked out. It was our first like licensing, our first sync as one of the duo, like, you know, because of that opportunity and I, and the video, we love the video. That was Prana's very first video she'd ever shot. Yeah. And just the fact that even on set, um, I, I kept I kept telling them like, you guys know this is like Prana's first video, right? And if you look back at the video now, knowing that it was her first video, it's like she's a glamazon. Like like she just like totally controls the camera, you know? Like, I, and I was just so proud. Like on some mom vibe, I was like, holy shit, you're a rock star. This is hilarious. <laughs> it, it it just brought even more life to the song, you know. So stuck in the middle. You you guys just released that as well, and I like the theme of that, which is, hey, get off the fence. You know, just don't leave me in the middle here. And, uh, yeah, don't need how did, that. Who, who wrote that and how did that, how was that released? We, um, we wrote that with Nash Overstreet and Shane Stevens, who like, that's family. We love them so much. We love writing with them. Honestly, every person that we write with is like family to us. Like I was- True telling that to mom after some co-writing session we had had. And I was just like, I just want to write with these people all the time. Like yeah. between Brent and Shane Stevens and Nash. And we also wrote with Rebecca Lynn Howard and her husband, Alicia, which is also funny because we end up writing with a lot of duos, uh -huh. like, mm -hmm. which I love. Like it's not even on purpose at all. It just happens to be that way every time. Yeah. But, um, but anywho, so we wrote Stuck in the Middle with them, and it was, I think, our third co-write that mm -hmm. we had done with Shane and Nash. And um, it really came to be because we were, like, kind of – Nash always, like – Nash just, like, puts on his headphones and, like, starts tinkering with the music and then, like, takes them off, and he's like, listen to this. <laughs> like, all right. And so he's playing this, and Mom – actually was like like humming a little bit and she was the one who really did the stuck in the middle line mm. and then like we all built it around that and we were like yes stuck in the middle like oh my gosh that's easy to write about i feel like so many people have been in that spot of like hello are you gonna tell me how you feel about me yeah and i feel like during the same writing session they were flaming me about a crush i had had at oh the time. my god it's so true i fucking forgot about that. Prana, you are hilarious. Yeah, they were playing with a crush that had in that. Yes. They were being very mean. <laughs> so we're not going to get into all the stuff that they said. I but mean, they, it's pretty no, funny. No. <laughs> but they okay. were like, they, they just did not get the appeal. And no. so it was no. just very funny that Amy, we were... Amy, no, we did not get the appeal. It was... It was a, <laughs> it was a and so, so it was just very funny because we were kind of already on that topic of like <laughs> boys and like liking people. <laughs> it was just, it was such a fun co-write and like, it was just a good time. So it really just came out of like kind of being in that jovial cracking jokes on the boy I liked kind of moment. Yeah. And um, it's a fun song too. I mean, just saying it's a fun song. Yeah. Makes and you want to dance. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like that energy that we had in the writing room is really portrayed in the song because literally the day, because we, we record vocals the same day that we write the songs. And so, and it's great because it's like literally just the mic like in the open room. We're like all sitting there together as we record. And so it was just 
such a such a fun time and it really came very naturally you know yeah i think sometimes we go into rights being like okay what's missing from the album mm. what vibe is mm-hmm. missing stuff like that but that wasn't mm-hmm. one of those moments like we were just it just came like from you us. said it was the third it was our third, it was our third co-write at that point yeah our rights with shane and nash really came about because we were missing something we were mm-hmm. missing mm-hmm. something and our manager renee bell introduced us to shane and nash because after i kept telling her well we kept telling her like man there's this like thing we're missing we gotta like kind of we're missing the fun, you know, like, like everything that we're doing is, is, is great. And we, we believe in it wholeheartedly, but we're, we're missing like some edge, some energy. Right. Mm-hmm. And we got to figure out, you know, where we can find that. And then yeah. that's how she introduced us to Shane and Nash. And I think by the time we got to the third, right, we had kind of captured what was quote unquote missing with the first two songs yeah. that we wrote with them. And so by the third one, it was like, we spent, I feel like a, about first two hours just talking and eating crumble cookies facts before we even really started writing a song so i just love that that song would end up being our first single off of our upcoming album because it's like it really was just a vibe yeah you know which is so so important for mom and i when we record when we write is that through the songs people feel like they're having a fun time and people are feeling the love which sometimes like you say, I hope people are having fun, and it sounds trivial, but like, gosh, we need that, honestly. Yes. Like, having a fun time, it's very underrated. Hello. <laughs> and so, and so that's stuck in the middle. Yeah. Well, Takitha and Prana, you've given us a taste of what's to come, because I know the album's gonna come out at some point, and we're all excited about that. Yeah. So let, it, let us know when that's gonna be, because we want to, uh, you know, we want to promote it on Diddy, and uh, your music is beautiful. It's I love the fact that you're a mother-daughter duo. I think that's really fun. Um, I'm not sure I could work with my mom, but. <laughs> oh, I mean, but, uh, it's, it's, it's it's the joy of my life working with, with this young lady. You know, it, it really is. Um, it's um, nothing short of, of uh, an honor. You know, I... I I can't imagine doing anything else. I really can't. And I've been in this business for a very long time. And she, through this project, has brought so much light and love and joy back to the um, the purpose of music and and to our purpose together as a unit and, and what we're trying to spread out into the world, which is a whole lot of love, you know, a lot of con- connectedness and and not not to be uh remiss of the dynamic of mother daughters working together because everybody can't do that and so i'm 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 acutely aware that this is a a privilege that i have and and i enjoy it and we have a good time so i'm really just looking forward to people sharing in this experience that we're having together Mm -hmm. well i can really feel the love coming from the relationship come see us in memphis okay we would love to we would love to See y'all soon. Thank you, Amy. Appreciate Take care. you. Bye. Bye. All right, folks, that's the end of our show today. Thank you so much to One the Duo for stopping by to chat this hour. Takitha and Prana put so much care into the art that they create, and it's an honor to connect and to learn more about their history, their creative processes, and what inspires them. Be sure to give them a follow on social media to stay up to date on what they're up to. And remember to tell your friends to check them out too. 
We look forward to seeing what's ahead for One the Duo. From all of us at Diddy TV, thanks again for tuning in today, and we hope to see you again real soon, right here on Insights. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.